boy. Here we go for the Tuesday show. Getting this week a moving, getting it moving along. Tomorrow's already hump day. Hump day's the middle of the week. Middle of the week comes the end of the week. End of the week comes Super Cross. This time coming from Tampa. Home of the fistful of Florida stories that we get on the regular here on the stretch show. Be careful in Florida, boys. This is crazy in Florida. You never know what's going to happen. Eli Tomac may be going through the whoops and get eaten by alligator. It's crazy there. Or a crackhead. Or both. A crackhead alligator. It's nuts with the things that happen in Florida. Florida, I'd say, might be the meth capital of the world, too. Lots of fun meth stories out of Florida. I got a fun drug story today. But it involves the drugs that you know I love to talk about on the Shred Show. Not that I am for drugs or that I do drugs. I am contemplating a future of slinging narcotics and becoming Big 49 Scarface. But we'll get into that later on. We also will talk about a guy that just went for a burger uh, at the Mickey D's. You ever feel like, you know what I feel like today? Mickey D's. No one does. No one ever feels like that. You know when you go to Mickey D's when you're like, damn, payday's three days away. I don't have lunch. I'm starving and I don't have a lot of money. Uh, Let's go to Mickey D's. That's what you do. That's the real. And then to go there and to lose your life. Oh, man. We're going to get into that story. That's just sad. That makes me sad. If I die with Mickey D's in my belly, I'd be happier than if I die with a salad in my belly. But I'd be like, man, I wish it would have been like a steak and lobster or something really good. A last meal. That would have been better. Uh, And then I got a guy that's a disgusting, idiot, pervert, child molester freak uh, who got busted for that. And then he upped the game. And he got himself caught when he upped the game. They knew about the child molestation thing because he'd already been charged with it or uh, child porn, whatever the hell he was doing. And then he upped the game and got himself in trouble for being a dumbass. Not that he wasn't a dumbass to begin with. Indiana may be a fun new state. It sounds like it from the outside. When I tell you a new law they're going to pass for uh, wannabe Bruce Lee's everywhere, you're like, oh, this is sweet, but it's not sweet. Don't be fooled by these fools. Yeah, Stretch going to give you the real. That's right, Stretch going to give it to you. And then I'm going to go into a company that has to be in the woke-ass world that we live in. You cannot do dumb stuff. And this is a big-ass company. It's called Aramark, and they cater businesses or schools or things like that to take care of their meals. And they're losing contracts left and right. Because they keep doing really stupid crap at Black History Month. Like someone there thinks it's funny to make some racist joke. I mean, I can't imagine. I don't know how this happens. And it keeps happening. And the problem is there's a 10-year history of this happening within this company. And a lot of people are pissed. And by the way, we're we're in woke world now, boys. Like, you're going to get ran. You're going to lose all your accounts if this continues, I would think, in the woke world that we live in. I'm going to break this story down for you. It's like, wow, really? Someone did that? And then I got a headline. And if you know my past and you know that I come from the Jack and Stretch show, the podcast that ran for 13 years after uh, Jamie Jack and Stench ended and the Jamie Danny show where we all worked together, I I, I did a 20-year radio run with Jack. And uh, I saw a headline. And I immediately thought of Jack. I'm gonna. We'll talk about this. It's a thing where you see a headline, and you're like, "Ooh, that, 
You know, I always hear about, oh man, where was Moto Man? Typically, that's my go-to. Now this one, I was like, where's Jack? I haven't talked to Jack in a while. I gotta go track him down. And then I got more. I got a, a story about some lefty leftist libs that are doing something that I applaud, trying to address homelessness, and the backlash they are getting is funny because they are in the only city in America more woke than Los Angeles, California, and more stupid than Los Angeles, California, and more detrimental to the citizens of that city than Los Angeles, California, which is saying something, because California, LA is a crap hole in my opinion. So all of this and some moto talk here and there and your moto minutes and all that fun crap, we'll get into it coming up. But next, Chase Sexton, the man, the myth, the legend, and our friend here at the 49 coming up in moments. The man Entertainment Report. Right, here's a club that's pretty awesome. It's called PMS, and it is a bunch of biker ladies. And these aren't ladies that ride motorcycles. No, these are all women that they say have spent a lot of miles on the back of a motorcycle cruising with their dudes. And they have now formed a club in Harrisburg, Virginia. And one of the oldest members is 97-year-old motor maid Gloria Struck. And she says she's glad that this organization is here and it'll keep these girls rolling for years to come. It's kind of crazy. 97 years old, she rode all over on the back of a Harley like a good-ass woman will. Former NFL star Vontae Davis. This guy played for the Dolphins, the Colts, the Buffalo Bills. Well, he had a little drinky drink and had a crash in his Tesla where he smashed into a pickup truck. And then the pickup truck hit a pedestrian and then they had to take him to the hospital. When the cops got there, they found Vontae laying on the side of the road just asleep on the highway waiting for him. Ends up, he was drunk. He said he had mixed two drinks. He refused to take a field sobriety test and ends up when they got him to the hospital, his blood draw showed he was intoxicated. Big shocker. And speaking of douches in the NFL, pretty soon the Raiders players will look like the Raiders fans. That's because all-pro Darren Waller showed up at the Pro Bowl over the weekend with fresh new tattoos on his head. His head's shaved and he's got tattoos all over his head. Now he looks like the fat drunk guys that fight in the stands at the Raider games. Way to go, dumbass. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big 49, it is Stretch, and right now we are sitting down with one of our favorite dudes. That would be Chase Sexton of the HRC Honda team. A guy sitting at second place in the points is putting pressure on Eli Tomac like never before tonight. That was awesome to see, Chase. Now, let's talk about that. You were all over Eli, and then towards the end of that main event, you started uh, falling back there. What happened? Did you just think that you were getting a little too loose, or were you afraid to crash, so you kind of backed off a little bit, or did Eli find a spot on that track to make up some time and start pulling away from you in that main event um eli really figured out the sand section later in the race and was going outside and i was going to the inside which i felt like like was not fast but i wasn't super comfortable going around the outside i almost fell there early in the race so i was just sticking to the inside and i felt like i could have walked through it faster than i was going through but (laughs) eli really figured out the sand and that was i think where i lost a lot of time every lap i was trying every time i get through the sand, I try to make up time throughout the rest of the track, and it just wasn't really working, so um, other than that, I rode pretty well, I didn't make too many mistakes, just, um, yeah, really was struggling in the sand section. 
All right, but there were points where you were making up a lot of ground, and there were points where you were sweating Eli like he has not been sweated this season so far, you know, outside of the, the crash last week when, when he uh, crashed out of the race. It's the first time he's had pressure like this. Did you ever at any point in your mind say, ah, all right, Grandpa, I got you? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I definitely was confident in my riding, but I knew that that was going to fire him up, and I'm, the main event is where he really shines, so I was... Yeah. Definitely on my toes, and not just him, everybody, Jason, Hooper, all those guys yeah. come out when it counts, and that's the main event. So I uh, didn't go to the line thinking I had it in the bag or anything. I was just yeah. <clears throat> focused on doing my own thing, and I still felt like I rode okay. Eli definitely rode a lot better, and okay. um, yeah, no, definitely didn't go down there thinking that I had it covered by anything. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, the honest answer. How about this? You look really good in the whoops this year. I can tell you worked on that in the offseason. And you looked incredibly sharp on the whoops as you were the number one qualifier on the day and earlier in the race. But what happens as the whoops and everything wear down and the track gets different? Like, is it a night and day difference between what you ride on and qualifying and what we finally see in that main event when you guys are blasting those whoops all day? Uh, completely different. The main event, yeah. even the heat race, they were pretty, not smooth, but they weren't super... Yeah edgy and then in the main event they almost get like a rut in them and a really big ledge on top of them and that's something i'm still working on i definitely was okay in them at least up until the 10 minute mark and then i kind of lost a little bit of speed um but yeah they just they're completely different it's so hard to replicate that during the week and especially all day i mean all day they never looked like they did just just now so um yeah, yeah something i'm still working on and definitely felt like i'm in a better spot than i was last year I feel like I can somewhat replicate um, throughout the main event through them. So that's that's positive, and like I said, we're still working on it and something that we can improve on. All right, and there was another part on the track today that I have a question about. Uh, on the tabletop, you were consistently going on-off on the tabletop, yet Eli was going over it all the way completely. Uh, is there a reason you didn't switch up to that? Did you feel that it was faster for you to do, to do it the way you were doing it? Or was it at the, that point you were more comfortable doing that and Eli was starting to pull away, so you just stuck with, with what you were comfortable doing on that track to get through and salvage your points and, you know, stay in the championship hunt? I, def I didn't feel like I was losing time in that section. Um, okay. It was really most of the sand. And towards the end of the race, the loops a little bit. But that line I was doing all day, and I was perfectly fine or fast with it so um yeah I, I definitely needed something else in the sand but um other than that i feel like i was riding well throughout the whole track we were taking different lines and turns he was taking um farther outside after the triple quad and i was going inside and then the whoops we were completely different so yeah i wouldn't say that um his lines were better it was just that really the sand section he was killing me in so um definitely need to fix that we're gonna have sand next weekend so yeah it's uh yeah it's always evolving and i feel like i like i said rode good just a few things i need to change all right fair enough now uh let's talk about this you do seem to be having a lot of fun this year you've mentioned that you're having a lot of fun this year and it does seem uh, very different from how you were last year. Last year seemed uh, like a lot more stressful. I don't know if it wasn't as fun or what the deal was, but can you go into that a little bit and tell us what's making this year so fun for you so far? I think for me, I wouldn't say I was not having fun last year, but this year overall I feel a lot more comfortable, okay. um, confident, and I also have a really good group of people around me. My, my close circle is really solid, and okay. it's something that I keep – 
it keeps evolving, but I feel like really at home with the people I have around me, and that's something that is really nice to have. Um, just not even on race day, just throughout the week and keeping me um, kind of on track and obviously in a good spot mentally. So okay. for me, yeah, like just being comfortable and the people I have around me is uh, really making it a good time for me. All right, and one of the biggest changes in the people around you this year that I, I have to look at from the outside is Colt Nichols. Is it a, a big difference for you having Colt Nichols in the trailer with you as opposed to having Kenny in the trailer with you all those years? Is that part of where, where the, the happiness and the more fun is coming from? Definitely. It's um, I've had Kenny as a teammate for, I don't know, two years or so. Yeah. And uh, him and I were just so far on the opposite ends of the spectrum as far as bike setup. So okay. now having somebody that's pretty close to what I'm on, he actually this week went back to the standard shock, so now I'm the only one on the BFR. But um, yeah, he's been, a, he's been a big help. And now right. we're pretty close in setup besides for his different shock. But prior to this week, we were pretty much on the same stuff. So okay. it's been fun. He's, uh, he's brought a different different vibe to the to the team, and he's, uh, he's a good guy to be around. Yeah. Definitely uh, has a good attitude. And obviously, Ken did too, him and I get along well. but. Um, just, just different, and yeah. I'm enjoying it so far, and it's, it's been fun in, in the truck. All right, well, we're enjoying so far watching you kick ass this season and, you know, revert back to that dude that we saw in the outdoor season and really put that push on Eli Tomac, and that battle tonight was epic and fun to watch, and I look forward to many more of those. Uh, best of luck to you and the HRC Honda team as you guys roll into Tampa next week. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Come in it. Brought to you by LBZ. Over the weekend in Houston, Hayden Deegan, a.k.a. Danger Boy, made his pro debut with spectacular results. The kid came in fourth place overall on the night in the main event aboard that star racing Yamaha, and he looked really, really good. To show you how good he looked, in an interview after the race, he talked about how he passed Jeremy Martin and Tom Vialli from the KTM team to get there. These are two legends in the game, Jeremy Martin especially. I can't imagine what that must have felt like in his 32nd year to aboard a 250 to get passed by a rookie in his first race ever as a pro and to lose to him in the main event. That's that's a big deal for J-Mart. That's a very, very big deal. Also, Tom Vialli, a guy that's a legend at 250 racing from over in the MXGP, he came over here with really high expectations. He also goes down to Danger Boy. That's the kind of day it is when you look and you see a kid that's 16 years old blow by you in his pro debut. You got to think to yourself, damn. Am I done? Am I getting too old? Is it time to hang them up? Because the new kids are coming and they're fast. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a Stretch show right now. We are going to go get uh, down and check out a story about, well, a jackass idiot pedophile. Man from Haddonfield. Haddonfield, New Jersey. That's where you'll find this moron. His name is John Moosbach. He's 31 years old. And he uh, got in a lot of trouble. This goes way back. This goes years and years back. Let's start with this. And, and by the way, I don't know if the child here was a boy or a girl. It does not say. But uh, Mr. Moosbach lived in New Jersey. It was the summer of 2015. 
when he somehow hooked up online with a 13-year-old child that was living in New York City. He managed to talk the child into exchanging sexually explicit photos and videos with him. And he was trying to groom this kid up for a nice little molestation. Well, the child's parents found out. And Mr. Moosebach was arrested on child pornography charges in March of 2016. That was a long-ass time ago. This is way before the pandemic. This is way, way, way ago. All right, well... He now realizes I'm going down on child porn charges and I'm going to prison and I'm probably going to get killed, beat up, raped, tortured, or murdered, or all of the above. Because that's what happens in prison to you pedophile freaks. Not that any of you are listening. Uh, Two months after his arrest, he was out on bail and he gets on the dark web. I still don't know how to do that and I consider myself to be semi-technologically savvy. Moto Man! Uh, I need you to show me how to get on the dark web. That's where I'm going to order my cocaine when we start moving it up and slanging drugs here on the 49. Not yet. We're not doing it yet, feds. I'll tell you when I'm doing it. I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you, and then you're going to stop me. It's like a football play. So here's what's happening. This guy is now up on charges. He goes onto the dark web. And what's he doing on the dark web? You're like, oh, he's probably trying to think and he's going to keep it secret his perversion for uh, child pornography. No. He was on there recruiting a hitman to murder this now 14-year-old that was going to trial to keep the 14-year-old from testifying against him in court so he could get off on the child pornography charges he was up on. Huh. Seems like a well-thought-out plan, right? You go to the dark web, you order a hitman. Now, I always tell you, and I've said it at nauseum on the show, whenever you hire a hitman, it's never a hitman, it's always the law. Well, here's the difference. This time, it wasn't a hitman. I was wrong. That never happens. I'm like Fonzie. I was wrong, 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 wrong. That almost never happens. Yeah, yeah, it never, never happens. But here's what happened. So he contacts on the dark web a guy says, hey, I need you to kill a 14, uh, 14-year-old kid. Is it okay? You cool with killing a 14-year-old? And they're like, yeah, we'll kill whoever. Uh, we need uh, 40 grand. So they sent him 20 grand. He went. And it had to be Bitcoin, a little more untraceable, I guess. So he sends him $20,000 in Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden, a little while later, they come back and they're like, yeah, I need another five grand. And they're communicating. And then the guy's like, wait a minute. I need this kid dead. I'm getting ready to go to court and like nothing's happening. And they're just asking for more money. So what does he do? This is where the genius really gets his nuts in a bind. He realizes he's been scammed. This isn't a hitman. This is just some scammer that just stole 25 grand from him. So you're like, all right, I'm trying to hire a person on the dark web to murder a 14-year-old that I exchanged nudie photos with or God knows what photos with and I'm going to jail. You eat that one, I guess, is what I would say. You eat that one. Well, not him. He complained to the site's administrator. The site's administrator looked at the thing and was like, uh, yeah, you're trying to hire someone to kill a 14-year-old, you freaking freak. I'm going to turn you in the police. Now, here's what's weird. They don't say 
that the person from the site turned him in. They don't say that. They say they had a confidential informant who basically cooperated with, uh, man, they got this guy through Homeland Security. It was a Homeland Security investigation in St. Paul, Minnesota, and somehow information about uh, Moosebox attempts to have a child killed came up, and that came up in 2019 from a cooperating informant when they went to try to search the records that had happened so long ago, none of it existed, but this confidential informant happened to have original copies of the transactions and they were able to get Moosebach uh, and link him to the account and then they were able to trace his fi- finances back to, oh yeah, he lost 25 grand at this point, where did this 25 grand go? And it all lined up and voila, Mr. Moosebach had indeed paid someone $25,000 to what he thought was going to kill a 14-year-old that he had gotten child pornography images from. Yeah. So I hope he's he's broke, and that's good. And I hope he's in jail now, um, you know, getting plowed by Bubba and uh, the inmates in there that don't take kindly to his kind in jail. But there you go. Go to the dark web for once. The first guy maybe ever to get on the on the dark web and not find a real hitman that is really uh, a federal agent. No, he found it was a scammer and then complained about getting scammed and then got caught for trying to hire a hitman to kill a 14-year-old. Man. That's fun. All right, coming up on the show in a little bit, we're going to uh, rerun the Eli Tomac interview. By the way, when you hear me say these things and you're on the podcast now, The Shred Show is now available as a podcast everywhere. No music, it's just the ramblings of a madman on the radio. And that's now chopped up and loaded up the next day on iHeart and a bunch of other places. I know it's on Spotify, it's on a bunch of spots. But uh, that's now going as of this week. And you can download that or listen to it however the hell you do it. And... uh, When you hear me say, like, the Eli Tomac, that's coming up on the radio, but I know that I had that in the podcast yesterday, so I will not put that in the podcast. You're like, dude, I just heard this, man. Why do you keep replaying crap? I hate replays. It's a pet peeve of mine, so I try to do uh, as limited amount of those as I can on the podcast. So so the podcast is a little shorter than the actual radio show because on the radio show, it goes nine effing hours, and there is stuff that is replayed, so I move it around. Look at that. Looking behind the curtain of Oz here. Uh, Let's get into the guy that died at McDonald's. That's a sad day, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, They think it might have been road rage or something, too. Take it out of McDonald's. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 4-9. Big 4-9, it is the Stretch Show. Before I go any further, I have to shout out uh, something for the homies that I said I would do. You know that we are down with the band... Uh, violates community standards uh, cool ass Orange County punk band that has a show coming up and they're like stretch plug this for us bro and I'm like no problem coming up this month February 24th they're doing a show at the Big Bear Bar and Grill starts at 6pm and this has got uh, violates community standards uh, no consent the pawns and TSOL F and TSOL is a huge punk band. This is going to be a great punk show. And let me tell you, violates community standards. No joke. Those guys can throw it down. So 
Awesome. Uh, you can get your tickets in advance for $20 and $25 at the door, and you get to see all those awesome punk bands, including uh, legendary TSOL. So this is a cool deal up at Big Bear. Shout out to Big Bear. You know what's great about the Big 49? You can listen to us in Big Bear. You can listen to us anywhere. That's what's so amazing about the 4-9. Big 4-9 has just got signal for days. Hell, if there's signal for days, we got signals for millennials. Millenniums. <laughs> millennials. <laughs> I bet you there's no millennials listening. Almost none. Few moto heads out there that are down with us. Other than that, they're like, oh my God, this is so toxic. It's such toxic masculinity. Listen to this old guy just spew hate. Oh my God. He's so vile. I bet he eats meat and stuff and drives like a gas guzzler. What an a-hole. Ew, and I hate to use that language, but that's what he is. <laughs> Suck it. Rock on. Get your freaking punk on up in Big Bear February 24th. Tell violates community standards of Big 49. Say, what's up? Right now, let's talk about dying at a freaking McDonald's. This is sad. Happened in uh, Levi Town, Pennsylvania. The guy's dead after he gets struck by a hit-and-run driver in a McDonald's parking lot. Say, it happened around 4 p.m. The dude's just, you know, hey, I, I got to eat. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of time. I'll get the golden arches. I know what I'm getting. I know what I like. I know what to order. You just roll in. I, I, when you're traveling abroad, there's nothing like going to McDonald's because you're like, oh, hallelujah. I know what they got, and it's going to taste semi-legitimate because it's a little different overseas, but whatever. So you go over there. You got to get your burger on, drown your sorrows in, uh, in freaking cardiac disease. But hey. Do what you got to do. And all of a sudden, you get ran over by a gray Chevy Silverado four-door pickup truck. Possibly a 2013 with a 4x4 sticker on both sides of the bed. Had black rims and a front vanity license plate. And they're like, what happened? The Popo are looking at the video. There's no sound of the video. They don't know. Was there a disagreement between the guys? Or was this fool in the Silverado not paying attention? Was he texting and ripping through the parking lot? Like, they don't know. But here's what they know. This dude got hit, got hit and killed. He's dead. He died at McDonald's going to get a Big Mac. I hope he got double secret sauce or whatever he really liked or he got the extra nuggets and I hope he got to eat before because if you're going to McDonald's and then you get ran over before you even eat, that's a load of crap right there. Uh, police say the truck could be missing an oval shaped black plastic trim piece that covered a fog lamp that uh, uh, came off after it hit the dude. And they are looking for it still. Victim was taken to uh, the hospital where he died of his injuries. Just trying to get a burger, man. I'm just trying to get my, i tell you what I get. I get the double quarter pounder every time. Here's my order at McDonald's. This is how great McDonald's is. Double quarter pounder with cheese, uh, six to 10 piece chicken nuggets, large fries, large diet Coke. Cause I got to watch my, my girlish figure. That's my order. That's what I get when I go to McDonald's. And this guy never going to McDonald's again because he's dead because he got ran over in the parking lot and killed by a crazy man in a Chevy Silverado. I wonder if it had a Raiders sticker on it. I would say probably. I know they were in Pennsylvania, but I just think it was a Raider fan. That's a Raider fan truck right there running somebody over the parking lot and killing them. Ow, man. There's People are crazy, man. People are effing off their rockers is what they are. All right, coming up next, I'm going to tell all you Bruce Lee wannabes about, like, something awesome happening in Indiana until it's not. Yeah, it's not awesome. It's not. 
It's it's what you call cocktees. Indiana is right now the hot chick at the bar that's like, hey, let's go have sex. And then when you get ready to have sex, she's like, nah, I don't want to have sex. F you, I'm out of here. I got to go home. I got to get up early. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, that's Indiana right now. I'm going to tell you this little bill they're passing. You're like, wait a minute. This is some ninja stuff. No, it's not. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Great news coming out of Star Racing Yamaha. Dylan Ferrandez, who went down hard on Saturday night in Houston. They had a neck brace on him. He laid on the track for a long time. It didn't look great until he stood up and got on the cart. They took him away. They red flagged the 450 main event. And then we finally got an update on Dylan, and this is it. He was knocked unconscious on the track because he hit his head. That was where he landed, on his head, knocked out cold. They thought it was maybe a neck injury or spinal injury because he wasn't moving, and he was on the ground. It ends up he was just unconscious. He did get a concussion. He is now in the concussion protocol and probably won't be racing for a couple of weeks, but it's really good news that that's it. That's the extent of his injuries. A concussion, he'll get over that. He'll get back on the bike. We will see Dylan Ferrandez back on the Supercross track before this season is over. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a Stretch show. Tell you right now, I'm thinking about getting with Larry Parker and I'm thinking about suing the state of Indiana for fraud. Because they're dangling a, a nugget of straight up ninja joydom in front of all of us and it's not right because it's not real. The Indiana Senate passed a bill that will now legalize throwing stars. Oh, yeah, cha! That's right, everybody's kung fu fighting. I'm Bruce F. and Lee is what I am with a ninja star. Get a ninja star, because ninja stars are illegal, and you get in big trouble if you get a ninja star in most places. So you're like, this is the coolest thing ever. Way to go, Indiana. Way to rise up and just be like, hey, this is cool. People can have these. There's ninja throwing star enthusiast, kung fu enthusiast, but no, no. Let me tell you what's really in this bill. Say the throwing stars are currently illegal in Indiana, but the bill introduced by Senator Linda Rogers would lift the ban for recreational use. Well, what do you mean? I need a ninja star to protect myself. Some fool comes up to carjack me. He's going to get a ninja star in his eye like Butters in that episode of South Park. This is going to happen. Oh, you're not stealing my car. And he's going to be like, ah, there's a star in my eye. Not going to hurt. Not going to kill anyone. Going to hurt, though. Going to make you back off. Going to make you rethink your bad, uh, your bad strategy. Well, they compared it to axe throwing. And they say there's axe throwing businesses. So apparently these knucklehead numbnutses in Indiana who passed Senate Bill 77, uh, they say they have a constituent, this one lady has one constituent who I'm guessing gave her money because he owns a putt-putt golf course called Ninja Golf. And he says nearly everyone that I spoke with said, hey, look, if we can throw axes, why can't we throw ninja stars at the putt-putt golf? What could go wrong? I tell you what could go wrong. Mofos think they're Bruce Lee. That's what could go wrong. And you're not Bruce Lee. You're a dumbass throwing a hunk of sharp metal. That's what you are. That's the real. That's why they're illegal. I, I don't get me wrong. I want to throw ninja stars. I want to keep them in my car and throw them at people as I drive down the highway because I'm crazy like that. But can't do it. And now in Indiana, they're going to legalize throwing stars. And they say, oh, it's so stupid. Here's what it is. 
Uh, they say additional safety measures need to be considered if we're going to legalize these. Since they say a throwing star is very different than throwing an axe. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, and throwing star blades can get bent and hooked over, increasing someone's odds of getting cut. So, not only are we going to okay them inside of a basically a ninja star throwing range at this one putt-putt golf course. They're going to make people wear a Kevlar glove when they throw them so they don't get poked. I, I Let me just tell you this. I have thrown ninja stars many times. I've had ninja stars many times. I know where to buy ninja stars to this day. I got a dude. Uh, they're fun. Typically, you chuck them, and then they, they spin weird because you threw it like sidearm or something goofy, and then the thing's gone, and you're like, where'd it go? I don't know. Or it went up in a tree, and it's stuck in the tree, and you're like, I can't get that. I can't climb a tree. I'm not a bear. So... There you go. You're going to have to wear a Kevlar glove and throw it in a Ninja Star throwing lane at the one putt-putt golf course. So even though they're trying to say, hey, Indiana's cool. Ninja throwing stars are legal now. They are lying. That is a facade. They are not really legal. And you cannot really just run around and kung fu fight with your friends and throw Ninja Stars at people. Oh, they're a ton of fun, the guy says. I think as long as we're being safe and we're educating people about them, it's absolutely something that we should allow. The bill passed by 48 to 1. That's pretty unanimous. And it's heading to the House next for the vote. See if it's going to be legal. Yeah, there you go. Ninja throwing stars in Indiana. Not really legal. You're going to be in a putt-putt golf course where you got to wear a Kevlar glove. Could you hold a ninja star right with a Kevlar glove on? Because I couldn't. It would slip out. And then I might stab it in uh, Moto Man's eye because that's who I would be throwing ninja stars with. Moto, let's go throw Ninja Stars. He'd be like, okay. And so that's like a not even asked twice. Hey, Moto, I'm going to go throw Ninja Stars. Let's go. He'd just up in the car. That's what he would do. And we would just take off and go throw Ninja Stars. And and then, boom, we can't throw Ninja Stars because you got to wear a Kevlar glove. And then it slips out of my hand and stabs Moto in the eye like butters. That'd be horrible. I don't want to do that. I wouldn't mind throwing them at a carjacker. I'd just keep mine illegal. <laughs> Keep them where they were. I'm not supposed to have them. Yeah. All right. I'm stretched. Coming up next, let's talk to Eli F. and Tomac. It's the Big 49. To all Southern California goatee having, truck driving, hard rocking, dirt bike riding dudes that are sick of the BCBS. Welcome home to Big49Radio.com. Big 4-9, it is the Stretch Show here on a Tuesday morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you miss anything or you hear something, you're like, dude, I got to hear the story about uh, the shark that ate the guy in the river. We, we got to talk about that. Yeah, well, that's all on the podcast because that was from another show, and I'm not doing it again today. But you can get the podcast now, iHeart, uh, the iHeart app. You got the Big 49 on the iHeart app. And the podcast, the Stretch Show podcast, is now up there as well. It's also on Spotify and a gazillion other places. Like, I see the list of all the places it goes, and I'm like, oh, this is everywhere. We'll see what happens. So if you got a place you get your podcast from, it's not on Apple yet because there's a whole nother step. Apple's a pain in the ass, and they don't like to share technology or allow people to F with their, their platform. So you've got to go separately there and manually load it, and I don't have time to play Apple games. So technically, at this point, it is not on the Apple podcast yet. 
I may end up setting an account with Apple and then just load like five shows once a week. So I, I, when I have time on the one day off that I sometimes have, I might do that. But as of now, it's not on the Apple, but it's everywhere else. All right, let's get into this story. It is insane. We are in Black History Month right now. And there is a company called Aramark that is apologizing once again. And they keep doing this over and over and over. They provide food services to schools, and they have now apologized for their unintentional insensitivity. You tell me what you think of this. It is Black History Month, and they have a Black History Month menu. And they say this has happened for over a decade with this company. Students at Nyack Middle School in New York, on the first day of their Black History Month menu, were served chicken and waffles with a side of watermelon. That is what they got. If you know anything about racial stereotypes and foods, it gets worse, by the way. We're going to follow this story. It's going to get worse. And it's it's insane. Now, you know what's weird is they've done this, and you would think, all right, some idiot did this and it got by, but it's happened so many times, you have to wonder. Aramark's apologized after students and parents pointed out the racial stereotypes associated with the menu and how it reinforces those stereotypes and that it's probably not a good thing. You could have just served, you know, I could have served pizza or anything else, but you went with food that is uh, a very stereotypical food that that is addressed to African-Americans and not in a positive light. And that's what they did. So you're like, wow, that's more honesty there. Maybe oversight. All right, well, let's peel the layers of this freaking onion back. People are saying this should have never happened. They've apologized, but it's an inexcusable mistake. And they're saying, wait a minute, we apologize for our mistake and we're working to determine how this happened. We're not even sure how this happened and we're going to try to make sure that this never happens again. You're like, oh, really? You are? Because, well, it's happened like nine times before. Yeah. It's happened over and over and over. They say they agreed now they're going to plan future menu offerings to align with the values of the longstanding commitment to diversity and inclusion. We're extremely disappointed by this regrettable situation, and we apologize for it. You're like, oh, okay, well, let's go back to in history. In 2011, 2011, Aramark served chicken and waffles on Martin Luther King Day at the University of California, Irvine. All right, you're like, that's interesting. At the time, the Los Angeles Times wrote it up, and they said, what's going on? And Aramark said, you know what? We apologize. We're going to conduct cultural sensitivity training for all of our managers and chefs. Students at the New York University demanded the school cut its ties completely with Aramark after its Black History Month menu in 2018 included barbecue ribs, cornbread, and Kool-Aid. And watermelon. That's what it included in 2018 for their Black History Month menu. At that time, Aramark said, oh, two employees planned the menu independently. They did not consult the school. They rolled two guys under the bus. I'm sure they got fired. They said it was a massive violation of company policy and they were terminated. Yeah, we got fired. We're out of here. And at that point, though, that school was so pissed off that they cut Aramark and they hired a new company to cater their campuses. They called it completely unacceptable. They say, although Aramark has made wide public apologies, it should be judged on its actions. I agree. At some point, this becomes a pattern. And... They've been doing this over and over and over and over, and there are many examples throughout history of Aramark serving fried chicken, watermelon, Kool-Aid at Black History Month 
for the first day of the menu. And I look back and I'm like, now, is this stuff that they served on the regular? Is this just a typical, hey, you know how you go to a cafeteria? Is it on Monday? We have uh, lasagna. On Tuesday is taco day. On Wednesday might be fried chicken or chicken and waffles or whatever. If it was just a regular day, I could have cut them the slack. But the fact that they've been called on this, they've lost business on this, and they continue to do it over and over again is the really uh, unforgivable part of this. You're like, damn, really? Go Aramark. You guys are going to keep losing business. And I got to tell you, in today's woke-ass culture, I don't know how this continues to happen with a company like that. Seems kind of crazy. All right, coming up next, uh, I'm going to read you a headline. If you know my history and you know where I come from, you know my uh, longtime broadcast partner of Jack. I saw this headline and I immediately thought, where's Jack? And, it made, and then it brought back uh, fun memories. I will give you the headline and then, no, I'm not going to give you the headline. I'm going to hold on to it. We're going to do it next. It's a headline that reminded me of Jack. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. What started off as a very promising season for the 250 squad over at Barek Suzuki with four riders, Carson Mumford, Derek Drake, Ty Masterpool, and Robbie Wageman. They got down to one guy left. Mumford bailed and went to the Pro Circuit Kawasaki team. Masterpool is out with injury, and Derek Drake broke his shoulder in San Diego. That left only Robbie Wageman, and now they have announced they got a fill-in rider, and that is Brandon Scherer. He will be finishing out the Supercross season with that Barak Suzuki team, so congratulations to him. I'm glad they got a fill-in, and they can get back to racing on those Suzukis. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big Four Nine, it is a stretch show on a Tuesday. Welcome to it. Getting ready for more Moto. Uh, I, good news, it's on the Moto Minute, but I want to shout it out anyways. Good, really great news on Dylan Ferrandez. It looks like a concussion was the extent of his injuries in that big crash on Saturday that he had in Houston. So uh, glad to hear. Hopefully he gets back soon. I know there's all kinds of concussion protocol and stuff, but very good news it's not a neck or spinal injury and that, that, that was a scary moment I think what happened they thought he was seriously injured because he was knocked unconscious he hit his head hard and he was out cold and he wasn't moving so they thought maybe he had broken his neck or his back and that's why the neck brace came out and all that other stuff once he regained consciousness he was like I don't know but I'm fine and they put the neck brace on him and he walked to the cart and then looks like that was it so very good news on that, that situation alright right now I tell you, you ever get a, you read a headline and you're like, oh man, where was so-and-so? Like for instance, I read a story and it says, uh, dismembered person found in a barrel buried in the hills of the East Valley of Los Angeles. I'm like, where's Moto? Where's Moto Man? Moto Man, I call him immediately. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Where you been? What have you been doing for like the last, I don't know, 24, 48 hours? Break it down for me in great detail, hour by hour, I need to know. Like, that's what happens. Well, I saw this headline, and immediately, the first thing that popped in my head is my friend Jack, Jack Hine, my old broadcast partner, Jackie Jack. We were together on the Jamie and Danny show. We were co-host on the Jamie, Jack, and Stint show, and then we did the Jack and Stretch podcast show. Over 20 years total, broadcasting daily with Jack, Monday through Friday. We've been through a lot of crap, and we've done a lot of crap. Some of it 
we're very proud of, like this story when I read the headline. Naked man runs through Des Moines Hotel swinging a toilet plunger. And I was like, where's Jack Hine? I need to know where Jack is immediately. And I'm like, well, Jackson Burbank might not have been him, but I don't know. Jack could be traveling for work or something. And I'm wondering. And then I think, well, wait a minute. And I read the story. They got the guy. His name is not Jack Hine. His name is Trevin Hill. He's 21 years old. He's a Las Vegas man. Now, Jack and I have done a lot of damage in Vegas over the years. And he got arrested and charged with assault while displaying a dangerous weapon. By the way, the dangerous weapon was a toilet plunger. He also got first-degree criminal mischief and disorderly conduct. Here's what happened. Mr. Hill, not Mr. Hine, uh, he approached the victim in a 13th floor stairwell of the Des Moines Marriott downtown with a toilet plunger. The na- and he was butt naked. And he said, I'm going to effing get you. And he chased the victim. Imagine seeing it. By the way, I would run from a naked man. If a naked man with a toilet plunger came to me and he said, I'm going to effing get you, I, I'm, Stretch is not fighting at that point. Stretch is running. And I'm not a runner. I'm a fighter. But I'm running from a naked man. Multiple people saw him then pull fire alarms or all around the hotel. He'd run by and just pull fire alarms. And he run, ran around on a whole bunch of floors and kept chasing people with the toilet plunger and pulling fire alarms. The police got there and they had to physically subdue the naked man. Shout out to you, police officers. I hope you got bonus pay for that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I took down a naked guy today. Uh, yeah, that's a $500 bonus. Gonna go to a court at a later date. Which makes me think, have I ran naked through a hotel uh, with a plunger at Jack Hine? It's possible. I don't think we've ever been to Des Moines, but I know uh, that could have happened in Bakersfield, could have happened in Portland, could have happened in Denver for sure. Eh, could have happened in Vegas. I've traveled a lot with Jack. We did crazy wild things. Fun times. And uh, alcohol was always involved. That was back when I still drank. That's how long ago that was. And uh, it was uh, fun, 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 fun times. So there you go. You see a headline. By the way, you see a headline and you see someone uh, that is that you immediately think of on that headline, you should call. Like, if, I'm sure all of my friends, if they're like, fat guy dies at a McDonald's parking lot, they're, that story I did earlier, they're going to call and be like, hey, Stretch, what's up? You weren't at McDonald's in Pennsylvania, were you? Like, no, why? Oh, just check it. Making sure you're not dead. Fat guy has a heart attack. I love when my friends find, like, somebody has a heart attack and they always call me and be like, hey, man. Have you been to the doctor? I'm like, F you. I'm not having a heart attack. Not yet, at least. Oh, man. I love it. It's fun having crazy friends. They make uh, our time on this rock a little more worthwhile. And they make us laugh. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to get up on to my next segment. Let me see what I want to do. I got a bunch of little stories. I might chop a few into one segment. No, you know what? Let's get into the New York homeless story. I like what these guys are trying to do, and I do not like anything about New York or New York government. And I like that there was a plan. I always say this about homelessness. Hey, somebody has an effing plan. Let's try it. And these guys tried something, and it's going to get just clubbed in the knees before it has a chance to take even a baby step. We'll talk about this one next. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 4-9. 
big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Here's an update on a story I gave you on a Moto Minute a few months ago, and that was that the motocross gears market was expected to reach $3 billion by like 2025. Well, now someone has expounded upon that, and they say that the sport has grown so much, and safety is such a vital part of that, that just motocross gear, I'm talking helmets, gloves, those types of things, is going to reach $12.5 billion by 2031. It is insane how big this sport is growing, and that's with places like California trying to kibosh the hell out of it. But the motocross gear market to reach $12.5 billion by 2031 is a big deal. Now we just got to get some of that money over to the Big 49. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49, it is a Stretch show. I lied again. I said I was going to do a story, and then BAM! You got Chase Sexton back up in that ass again. A replay of the earlier interview, if anybody missed that. That was on the radio. You didn't hear it on the podcast, though. So the podcast, you're like, I know what you're talking about, Stretch. I didn't hear Chase Sexton. I'm so confused. It's because of something replays. I chop it out of the podcast. I don't want to torture you with having to hear the same crap over and over. No, I hate replays. I, I get sick of replays on the radio station. That's why we got a library. I'm not kidding. We have a rotation of about somewhere about 6,000, maybe more songs that play on a regular basis on this radio station. And your typical rock station will run about three to 500. Hey, that's why you can listen to the Big 49 for hours and hours and hours. And I got hard data that proves that. It's weird how we change radio. A couple of numbnutses, a couple of radio rejects rolled in here and changed radio, changed the whole effing game. Just shoving it up your big radio arrogant asses. I've come back to take you down and feed upon you, and that's what I'm doing. God. It's hard to be the smartest guy in the room when you're dealing with a bunch of radio idiots. And that's not saying much, actually, being the smartest guy in the room. It's like being smarter than Corky. It's not that hard to do. That was insensitive. That was a very insensitive comment stretch. We're going to cancel culture. You suck it. We don't do cancel culture at the 49. I'm going to tell you that story now. No, I'm not. I'm going to save this story for tomorrow. I'm lying. I'm just a hypocrite liar. God, I got so many stories I didn't get to today. How about this story? Let's go to Wisconsin. A man has been convicted since the 16 years in prison on Friday. The prosecutors are pushing for 25. Here's what happened last year. He's driving his car. He's in Wisconsin. And kids threw snowballs, a pack of seven kids. He pulled over and pulled a gat out and started blasting shots at him, trying to shoot him. And that's an overreaction, I'm going to say. Especially in a place where I'm, kids throw snowballs, that's what they do. Now they bash the windows out of your car and almost kill you? Even then, you probably shouldn't have shot him. But yeah, they were throwing snowballs at his car and he got out and shot at them with a handgun. Popos came, he went to jail. Now he's going to prison for 16 years. What an idiot. All right, I'm gonna address my homeless plan tomorrow because there's a lot to get involved in on this one. I gotta get out of here. You guys have a great day. God bless you all and God bless America.